0: hey everybody welcome back to the green light podcast we're back did you miss us did you miss us i hope you did we missed you we did miss you it's been a month a lot of things have happened christmas new year's 2022's off to a start.
1: I had COVID. <laughs>
0: Lauren did have COVID. Do you want to talk about that for a second?
1: Uh, It was like a week. I thought it was a sinus infection. Got tested. It was COVID.
0: It was not a sinus infection. Um, Then it out. felt like a
1: cold. Jackson didn't get it because the vaccine worked and I did not transmit it to him or any of my housemates.
0: Some would say I'm built Shut different. Up. Some would say I'm built of it. I've said that about 50 times since Lauren got COVID. But yeah, Lauren was experiencing symptoms for a couple days when I was still obviously interacting with her,
1: giving her (laughs) kisses, giving
0: her kisses, and still... Just build different, you know what I'm saying? Just build different. So that's been interesting. It, it's felt like anyway, a long time. I was January. in a room
1: alone for a week. Yeah. Plus.
0: I brought her food. I set it outside the door he and did. ran away. It was like, like room service, mouse. but
1: also prison.
0: Yes. Yes, yes, yes.
1: I watched so much Cobra Kai. I guess I could talk yeah. about that for my detour, but I'm not quite done with it yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe save that for, for next time yeah. if you feel so strongly about it. Um, That's cool. Maybe we could do just like a general like rundown of things we've watched that we would recommend to people, like a quick little... Yeah. When when we start, by the way. Okay. Um but yeah. Um I guess before we do that, uh little housekeeping. We should talk about what we
1: uh, do on here. Yeah, at the what Green do Light. we
0: what do we do on here? Lauren? Well,
1: we read some fan freaking tabulous scripts and interview the writers. Uh and this week we are reading Hall by Matthew Young. Hall. And we have some extra special guest actors that you were going to meet in just a few minutes. That's
0: gosh darn right. Yeah. Lauren. Uh, uh it's a really do we fun script.
1: You have any new reviews, Jackson? Uh, let me check Never mind, I'm checking right now That was a test and you failed Yeah, I fail most tests in life But that's kind of
0: the uniqueness of me Um
1: Oh, someone left a review asking if we could read the Who Is That reviews <laughs> That's funny <laughs> LOL So maybe we should read the Oh, it's from Liz Rin I see okay. Hi guys, maybe you guys could read the Who Is That reviews Oh, and Happy New Year Can you guys do grown ups and somewhat new playing with fire? Okay,
0: okay, Um, we'll definitely
1: keep that in mind. Yeah,
0: I have seen grown ups before. I'll talk about it briefly on this show. Uh, I think the grown ups movies are actually highly underrated. Um, Mm, I I haven't seen them. Are you are you joking? No, they're once again they're Adam Sandler with his crew with his gang. Um, It's uh, they're a lot of fun uh love the second one too uh they're both good movies um i don't know how well they hold up like i don't know if they're offensive at all um but when i watched them i remember them being quite funny and even now you know adam sandler obviously is is sometimes hit or miss but i think for the most part if you like turn your brain off and just let them wash over you like you're gonna have a good time that's you fair. Know? and it's got a stacked cast like it's got kevin james chris rock david spade rob schneider not all those who are good people but um still, yeah, it's a it's a good movie. So thank you for suggesting that, Listerine. Playing with Fire, I don't know, but um, maybe Heard I'll look it, into that. But yeah. yeah. Uh, did you look at the Who Is That reviews, so?
1: though? Yeah, it doesn't look like we have any new ones. So oh, I don't know. But weird. You should review that, too. Also, speaking of Who Is That, if you're a fan of Who Is That and you have been brought over here because you are starving for content, don't worry. For just $1 or unit of currency a month uh you can check out our patreon that has all kinds of content for this show and who is that we just posted a new who is that Messinger UK episode the semi-finals so we yes. only have one more to go for this season
0: uh playing with fire is that movie with uh John Cena and Keegan Michael Key uh, oh, I don't know if that's you remember that right the Firefighter movie yeah
1: I totally forgot about that movie I, I
0: really like John Cena as an actor personally I think
1: he's really funny yeah I, yeah,
0: I think he's definitely like
1: we did see blockers.
0: We did see Blockers. Together, Blockers was yeah. good. Uh, he's good in uh, the new Suicide Squad movie. Haven't watched Peacemaker yet, but I'm sure. And I love Keegan-Michael Key. He's yeah, obviously awesome. insanely talented and funny. Um, so yeah,
1: might have to give that one a watch. Check so, that one maybe. out. Also, if you are a fan of Who Is That? By the way, Matt Singer is returning on March 9th. And that yes, is very that. shortly after we are moving. So that'll be interesting Boy, to start. But, you know, Boy, we're excited. Yeah, we are. Um.
0: So yeah. Um, shall we do a quick rundown of some things we've seen that we might recommend to the people?
1: Okay, so during my my, my week of quarantine, um, I watched, I'm now, I think I have two or three episodes left of Cobra Kai. Nice. Granted, it's getting renewed, so it's not like the end of the series, but yeah. the series, you know, season finale um, of season four. But I did watch, you know, I've fully seen over three and a half seasons at this point. Um, I really, really like it. I've honestly never even seen the Karate Kid movies.
0: That's wild. I've only seen the first one, but.
1: Yeah. I think but, that's the only one you need to see. Um, But I mean, you know, it's like they show clips from the Karate Kid movies for whenever like a new person is introduced, they'll show you a clip from the original to like tell you what their history is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. You know, I, I love some good fight choreography and this show has so much of it. Yeah. Like there's, especially once you get to like season three, like there's a fight every episode. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm really, really enjoying that. Uh, I watched the first season of True Detective. To be honest, I've heard so many people love it. I kind of just thought it was fine, but I would be interested to hear your thoughts, if you love it, why you love it, if you didn't, why you didn't. Uh, if you want to leave it on a five-star a Podcast review, that would be cool. Or you can We'd email us or tweet at us or anything like that. that. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What else have I watched? I watched Don't Look Up. Uh, I had Mixed Thoughts. Yeah. Um, That's another one I would love to hear your opinions on. Um, I think that the biggest thing for me is that, yeah, I I didn't necessarily feel that it told me anything I didn't already know. I figured we would all be sacrificed to capitalism in the event of a catastrophe, because that is what's happening right now. Currently (laughs) happening. But, um, you know, but I, I thought it had some good moments in it, and obviously a super stacked cast. Uh, season three of Too Hot to Handle is happening, so of course we're watching that. It's wild.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's a lot so of fun. that's
1: been a blast, and I can't think of. Oh, and then I am going to talk about my detour, which I, um, yeah, what. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what you're doing for your detour, but you can talk about the other things. Mine
0: will be watched. different from yours, I promise. Yeah. Uh so I, I watched a lot of movies since we've since we've last seen each other, since we last talked to each other. Obviously I've seen Lauren, but I'm talking to, to you all listening. I uh, saw the new Spider-Man. Uh I really enjoyed it. If you haven't yeah, seen the great. other ones, definitely see them before, because I think it adds to your viewing. Not necessarily, but I haven't adds seen to it. all
1: of them, but I think I saw enough to get most of the things. Yeah. yeah. I don't know.
0: Um I saw uh the Kingsman, the new Kingsman movie enjoyed it. Don't go in expecting the vibe of a Kingsman movie. Yeah. Because it's pretty different.
1: It is a war drama. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. It, it really is. Still good. Uh, still, still a lot of great acting. Saw Red Notice. Um, that was exactly what you expected to be. If you like The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, you're gonna like this movie.
1: If uh, you like Gal Gadot, are you gonna watch this movie? Yeah, I mean, you'll still, you'll like okay. it. Well, I mean, I guess if you She's... don't like Gal Gadot, will you like this movie? That would have been a better question. Because uh, a lot of people don't.
0: Yeah she's like it, it, it sticks mostly with the fellas okay and she has a big role obviously sure but, but i think you'll still enjoy it uh saw both the kill bill movies which i had never seen before up there in my ranking of tarantino movies okay honestly definitely towards the top i think you'd really like them actually Lauren. the fight choreography is great okay um like, i
1: in general i'm not <laughs> don't really like tarantino
0: well he does but... there are feet yeah <laughs> we get to see Uma yeah. thurman's feet <laughs> Um, saw Nightmare Alley, which, uh, for some reason shows up on my letterbox as a five-star rating. I don't think it's a five-star movie, even though I've changed it. Um, I'd say it's about probably three and a half to four stars. Great acting. Um, maybe some things I would change. I don't know. Uh, we watched all of the Alvin and the Chipmunks live action movies. Oh God, speak for
1: yourself. That's, that's why no one else in the house got COVID because I sat that out.
0: (laughs) That's kind of true. Actually, that's, that's, that's a little true, but, um, yeah, those were, uh, a wild ride. I don't necessarily recommend you do that, but, um, the third (laughs) one's the best actually. Number three is is the best. That is Chipwrecked. Yeah. Chipwrecked is the best, and Lauren knows why. Uh, And I think those are the the big ones that I've seen since we last talked. Um, Lots of stuff happening. Currently, TV-wise, I'm watching Succession. I am also watching uh, Marvel's What If? And I'm watching Naruto.
1: Nice. Oh, also, you know what else I'm watching? What
0: are you watching? Abbott Elementary. It's so good. I need to start watching that because I think I'd love it. Actually, I
1: have one. I I have a new episode I need to watch. Um, how long are they? Half an hour. Half an hour. Yeah. Oh, easy. I mean, it's it's a sitcom. I knock it out in a day. Yeah, it's great. Um, Uh, definitely enjoying it. Cool.
0: Uh, those were our, our quick hits. Now we're going to dive into a couple things. Our uh, actual
1: detours. Lauren,
0: would you like to go first or would you like me to go first?
1: I can go first. So right, I am talking about the brand spanking new Disney movie that everyone is talking about, Encanto. we not
0: brand spanking new, but brand okay, new.
1: Okay. I did see it before Christmas, but sure. um, I had to even look up to see if I talked about it last episode. But I really enjoyed it. Um, Here is the summary from Walt Disney Animation Studios. Encanto tells the tale of an extraordinary family, the Madrigals, who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia in a magical house in a vibrant town in a wondrous, charmed place called an Encanto. Hmm. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift from super strength to the power to heal every child. Oh, wait. To the power to heal, dash, every child <laughs> except one, Mirabelle. But when she discovers that the magic surrounding the Encanto is in danger, Mirabel decides that she, the only ordinary Madrigal, must might just be her exceptional family's last hope. The Madrigals are an extraordinary family who live hidden in wait, why does this repeat itself? Okay. Anyway <laughs> Anyway. Um yeah, so there's this extraordinary family. They helped the town. Um they were given this like miracle after um the, the matriarch of the family, Abuela, um had pretty much lost everything in an attempt to emigrate. Mm. Um and, you know, she was blessed with this miracle, with this magical house, the casita. Uh, her family has all these powers. And then they've built this extraordinary community where they are, in a way, royalty. They're mm-hmm. definitely in positions of, like, power. They sort of help everyone in the community. Um, yeah. So it's very cool. Um, so this movie... Uh, the music is written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. I don't know if he wrote just the speaking as well. I'll have to look that up. But um, yeah, it's music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, you know you know him. He did Moana. He did Hamilton. He did In the Heights. All that good stuff.
0: Directed um, Tick, Tick, Boom.
1: Ah, true, true. And wrote Tick, Tick, Boom, I think. Really? Well, I mean, the stuff that wasn't like already written. Sure. The songs. That um, it wasn't
0: already based off of. Right. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I mean, you've probably been hearing the songs everywhere, especially we don't talk about Bruno, which is the, you know, it's a movie, so there's no intermission, but act one finale song. Yeah. Um, and that one, a lot of people have been talking about how they love it because they've been waiting for a big act one finale, Lin-Manuel Miranda song that's accessible Mm -hmm. for like middle schoolers to sing. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've seen like middle school drama teachers and stuff that were really excited about this song. Um, but it's not just that, you know, there is a super strong sister, Louisa, who, you know, has a song called Surface Pressure, (laughs) bless you, that is probably my favorite song, um, and, you know, has definitely resonated with a lot of people, (laughs) bless you again. So sorry. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I really think that this is a movie that, um... I don't know. Hits everybody in a slightly different way. (laughs) Bless you again. So sorry. Um, One thing I like about it is that, you know, Disney and Pixar have definitely moved a lot away from, like, the princess stories, the traditional, like, love stories. Um, So this one is very much about family and sort of, you know, the whole family, this whole miracle sort of came out of a traumatic event. Mm. Sure. So how do we avoid kind of passing that trauma down? How do we avoid yeah. putting unrealistic expectations on everyone in our family to maintain this miracle? Right. Uh-huh. Um, so that's sort of the the crux of Encanto. Um, I I laughed, I wept, um, <laughs> and I really, really enjoyed it. And um the guy who plays the sloth in Ice Age is Bruno, so that's pretty cool Ooh. too. Yeah. <laughs> that's the sloth.
0: all sloth is that like uzamo yeah nice he's good he's good in everything he does yeah uh great and kanto uh still in
1: theaters Uh, i don't know
0: but it's it's also on disney plus
1: that's the thing it would have definitely had a much better run in theaters if they hadn't immediately been like it's gonna be on disney plus in a month yeah
0: for sure for sure you know oh well but you know if you get the chance to see it on the big screen definitely do it uh support it um yeah yeah good one uh so i guess moving on to me uh
1: No. Why did you just look at me? Why did you just look? Sorry, I didn't mean to. It was going to be a surprise. But now I saw what you're talking about. So I
0: I, I mentioned a lot of movies that I watched, and I've watched a lot (laughs) since we since we've last spoken. There's one that sticks out not just because of the way it's filmed, uh, not just because of the insane amount of money it made compared to its budget, but also because this is a movie like Spider-Man, The Kingsman. They don't need any more press, you know. Like they get, they have enough. Mm -hmm. They got it. They had big corporations behind them. The movie I'm about to talk about doesn't. But boy, was it enjoyable. The Gallows is a 2015 found footage horror film rated R. A little bit about The Gallows. Essentially, it's set in a high school 20 years after this awful accident during a school play where there's... Think think the crucible of this play. Um... Where someone is supposed to be fake hung, just uh, in the play, but an accident happens and he actually gets hung and dies. 20 years later, the high school students, and I guess the high school itself, decide, hey, we want to honor this kid, Charlie, and we're going to do the play again. And it's like, first off.
1: Don't do it again. Come
0: on, that's a bad idea. But they decide to do it. Uh, The the lead guy character who's playing uh, Charlie's old character, he's not as used to acting. Uh, but, you know, so he gets a, he gets a little bit of stage fright. Uh, so he and his friend decide to sort of vandalize the set on the night before the play. And, uh, he, the, actually the three, he, his friend, and his girlfriend, and then, uh, they, someone else shows up, and the four of them get locked in this, uh, theater together, and hijinks ensue, and ghost hijinks ensue. Hijinks
1: ensue. Ghost
0: hijinks ensue.
1: Um, so this
0: movie has a 4.3 out of 10 on IMDb. I, like, listen, listen. I am a big fan of found footage horror films. I haven't seen a ton of them, sure. But, but they're great. I, I, I just like that genre, personally. It's, I think it does a good job. Like, okay, there are, like, some parts of the dialogue and etc. There's a lot of things wrong with this movie. I'll admit it. But overall, I had an insanely good time watching this movie. And here's the thing: I'm not the only person who at least took a chance on this movie. I don't know if we've talked about this actually, Lauren.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: guess what the budget is for this movie?
1: Ten dollars.
0: Okay. Well, be serious.
1: Twenty-five grand.
0: Uh, more than that, a hundred grand. Okay. A hundred grand, but still for for a movie released in theaters, that's not a big budget. It's a pretty small. Oh, budget. Oh, it
1: was released in theaters. Yes. Wow.
0: Guess how much money this movie made. Fifty million. You're close. Forty-two million dollars. That's crazy. That's an insane like, profit.
1: Just the the percentage, you yes, know?
0: Exactly. Has to be one of the most um, just profitable movies of all time. Yeah. yeah, because you know, and in the same way that Blair Witch Project was, you know, it's just super easy to make. Gallo's ratioed Avengers End Game. Gallo's ratioed it hard. <laughs> um, it's just. Once again, it's it's a it's a movie that I think if you like it, like if you like found footage horror movies, you're gonna you're gonna eat this one up. I think for a found footage horror movie, it's not bad. On HBO, uh, there's a sequel that we watched as well. That's not found footage. It's yeah. like it's much higher quality, but it's not found footage. And I feel like it loses a bit of the the, the spirit, the charm of the first one. But the Gallows on HBO Max, honestly, worth watching honestly worth watching it's a horror movie it's a little scary i was a, a little, little scared i was a little scared um but yeah that uh i recommend it i recommend okay. it
1: uh do it the gallows the gallows
0: but see blair witch or is this is this a remake maybe hmm. i'm i'm looking at a blair witch right here Dude, that, that's definitely a remake i think um but that one only has like a yeah the original Blair Witch Project only has a 6.5 and that's like a huge whatever anyways can't trust everyone what you hear trust me trust Jackson you're a good friend
1: (laughs) okay coming up next we uh when we come back we'll be reading Hall by Matthew Young with our special guest actors and we'll see you soon bye bye
0: Everybody. Welcome back to the Green Light Green Podcast. Light. Jackson here, as always.
1: And Lauren. And we have a couple special guests with us for this script reading today. Very special guests. All right. So first, we have Oliver here with us, who I know from uh, Camp Half-Blood this past summer. So do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Hello. Yes. Uh, my name is Oliver Rotuno. I'm an actor, writer, and producer, um, and uh,
0: animal parent.
1: Cat dad. <laughs> cat awesome. dad. Dad gotcha. of two lovely cats.
0: Yes, 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 yes. It's a full-time job at cat <laughs> parenthood. So, so,
1: yeah. Well, uh, thanks, Oliver. Awesome. And who are you playing today, Oliver? Uh, I will be playing Morrison. Awesome. And then we also have George here with us, a new friend.
3: <laughs> I'm new. I was added. Yes. Hi, I'm uh, George Russing. I'm a actor. Um, I can kind of juggle. And I am also a cat dad. Um, wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> two uh, two full-time cat dads on this podcast yes. today, folks. Amazing. You're getting a treat. We're just wannabe cat parents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We, have, we have a stray cat that hangs out around, so we sometimes we do. bet her. Um, that's the closest we get.
1: Um, let's see. Yeah. And then um, George is going to be reading action lines for us today. Yep. Um, I am Lauren. As you know, I'm going to be reading Susanna. And I will be reading for Marshall. All right, let's dive in.
3: Paul, written by Matthew Young. In the dying gasps of the 19th century. Fade in, exterior, rural road, somewhere in Pennsylvania, day. Wood tires creak with each rotation, thump over the dips, divots in the dirt trail. Susanna, 20, back pedals, Muscles strain as she drags a single steed, open-top wagon in her wake, with no horse to pull it. Traditional Amish garb is filthy but still whole. Somehow her bonnet remains perched atop her tightly-held brunette hair. Sweat bathes her face, soaks through her baby blue dress. She bites her lip to withstand the painful blisters on her palms. A tied-down canvas sheet to hide the carriage's load. She pauses for a moment, undoes her bonnet to wrap it around her left hand over her bubbling, bleeding palm. Susanna whimpers as she returns to work. That looks heavy. Susanna drops the handle, spins around to Morrison, 35, standing amongst the trees at the side of the path, lighting the cigarillo at his lips with a match. Looks like a bastard or wannabe cowboy with his Five o'clock shadow and leather jacket, not to mention the hat. Some sort of blackness dusts his clothes, skin. I bet.
2: I bet that's real heavy, ain't it? No one else to look out
3: for? Just you and me here, ma'am. You're a long way from Lancaster County, aren't you? Susanna stares Morrison down before answering.
1: Tell me, how would you know I call Lancaster home?
3: I mean, look at you. I certainly never seen a
1: horror dressed
2: like you are. Not to mention the ethereal glow around you, ma'am. You have the look of someone modern times is not tarred and feathered. Mostly I recognize the garb. I worked on a chain gang going on ten years back near a colony of folk like you. I've a feeling the attire has not changed much. I imagine you had a horse.
1: Poor creature stepped in a gopher hole a mile back, broke its leg.
2: You had no gun to put it down? Not your folks' way, right? Where are you headed? Not to rub salt in what may be a wound, but I don't see any groom around, no husband that you are required to answer to. All right. Think of me as nothing more than the good Samaritan who happens to be your horse-deprived plight and wishes to offer some reprieve from your struggle. I have a horse. Say we both are headed the same way, maybe that becomes our horse. So, where are you headed?
1: Altoona.
3: A smile crosses Morrison's face. What would a girl like you need to do in a place like Altoona?
1: You only need my destination.
3: Later. Straps, harnesses connecting a dirty white horse to the wagon lock into place, dig into the animal's sturdy frame. Morrison lugs his saddle towards the carriage, happens upon the sheet covering the entirety of the space, it failing to hide the Rorschach test of random bulges Can I lay this anywhere? Susanna hurriedly approaches, grabs the saddle from Morrison, buckles under a sudden shift in weight, but she maintains, drops it in the carriage. Morrison steps closer to the back as Susanna tries to catch her breath. He lifts a corner of the sheet. Susanna slaps it from his hand. Ow. What do you have under there?
1: That is none of your concern.
3: Seeing
2: how this is now our ride, the manner which you protect its contents, I think is well within my concern.
3: Morrison stares Susanna down.
1: My wares. Goods I plan to sell in Altoona upon arrival.
2: Consider me a prospective customer. May I glimpse the merchandise, then?
1: I cannot reliably say if you are just a customer or a crook.
2: You insult your savior! You honestly think you could make it to Altoona, dragging this cart in your wake? I do not think so.
1: Pardon me for being a lone woman who does not operate in blind trust.
2: I saved your life. I believe I have plenty demonstrated my intentions clearly to you.
1: When we get to Altoona, you'll be the first to refuse what I sell.
2: You are a stubborn and pessimistic woman, but I am amenable to this arrangement.
3: Morrison holds his paw out. Susanna stares at his overgrown nails, the dirt caked under them for what may as well be an eternity. They finally shake hands. we better make haste to beat out the darkness. Morrison and Susanna both make a move for the reins. This is my horse.
1: And it's my carriage.
2: I don't need your carriage to get where I'm going. I know the way, and the horse trusts my touch as if it were his own thought.
3: I'm leading. Exterior. Horse-drawn cart. Rural road. Afternoon. Morrison struggles to keep the horse at a steady pace. Course at the center of the path. He whips it harder. Susanna stares at him. What?
2: This is a wild Mustang who has not had the privilege of running lead on a wagon, so maybe you can give him and me some slack,
1: hmm? Mustang?
2: That's right. I found him caught in barbed wire along the outside of an orange grove in Kentucky.
1: They grow oranges in Kentucky? Uh,
2: Maybe it was apples. An apple orchard. Uh, Pardon me for my memory. It goes in and out for someone well-traveled, like myself. Moments
3: become muddled. Morrison adjusts his seat position. Notices the initials EC carved into the wood atop the bench. Fingers trace the carving. You never told me your name?
2: Suspicious woman, such as yourself, you think you would have asked me for mine, at least.
1: I do not keep company often. And once we reach Altoona, I have no intention of keeping yours any further, not to sound rude. So tell me, what purpose is there in knowing your name?
3: Stop. Hey! Morrison yanks back on the reins. The cart makes a sudden stop. The horse neighs. Rears back on its hind legs in anger at the order. Susanna glares at Morrison.
2: I am not moving this cart another inch until I hear your name. Why? Because I want to
1: know it. Now,
2: are you going to tell me what this is, or should I start loosening the tethers on my steed? Susanna. Lovely name. What about the one you took for your husband, Susanna?
3: Susanna stares Morrison down. This is not your cart.
1: Collier, Susanna Collier.
3: Where's your husband at,
2: Susanna Collier?
1: In Lancaster, I imagine.
2: Are you running away? Stare down persists.
1: If I said I was?
2: I would not judge. I just need to know if there may be an angry mob of Amish tracking our trail.
1: Not that I know of.
3: Morrison turns back to the horse. Whips it, but the steed is stubborn. A pair of harder strikes finally coax the animal into a trot.
1: And what do you go by?
3: Now you want to know.
1: Because I feel as though you have the upper hand on me now.
2: Me, your name, that's the only hand I have. What is it? Morrison.
1: That's it? That's your Christian name?
2: I don't care much for my Christian name, so I leave it at Morrison.
1: Morrison it is. And what business does a man that fetches mustangs from barbed wire in Kentucky have in Pennsylvania?
3: Morrison guards his wry smile at the question. I told you, I'm well-traveled. But I want to be honest
2: with you, ma'am. The only value Altoona has for me is it's your destination.
1: So what if I would said I was headed for Timbuktu? In that
3: case, I would have told
1: you to call me Mansa Musa.
3: Morrison yanks hard in the reins to steady their path. The horse snays horribly, pulls on the tethers.
1: Your companion seems far from fond of you for considering your orders as its own thoughts. He's a stubborn bastard.
3: Susanna stares at Morrison's profile.
1: Where did you get him from? The horse? Honestly.
2: I told you, it was tangled in an apple orchard in Kentucky.
1: After it was an orange grove. He is as far from a Mustang as any horse can come, so apologies if I find it difficult to find credence in your tall tale.
2: What kind of horse is it,
1: then? Banker. Banker?
2: (laughs) So I lack proper versing in horse affairs to know the difference.
1: Anyone who's ever seen a Mustang would never confuse the two.
2: What do you know about Mustangs and Bankers? I thought your people only rode
3: donkeys and your own two feet. Susanna grips the edge of the bench. Her fingers rest beneath, mere centimeters from a revolver tied to the underside, hidden from sight.
1: My father made acquaintance with a wrangler in Arizona. He drove wild horses for the state, corralled them to auction or euthanize. Arizona? We assisted him one season. Not for long, but enough time to get an eye for the resident steeds, Appaloosas and Mustangs and the like. Such knowledge was a requirement to the separation of the herd, to know which horses are good for work, or war, or meat.
2: I get that, but what business
3: do Amish have in Arizona?
1: You would have to ask them.
3: Morrison processes this answer, stares at Susanna. He looks down at himself, the handle of his pistol holstered by his ribs. It dangles just inside of his leather jacket.
1: I never told you I was Amish. And you assumed it from what? My manner of dress?
3: You
2: don't hail from Lancaster?
1: Such mannerisms and attire arrest any nerves that come naturally to happening upon a stranger on the road, don't you think?
2: Other than you
1: being a woman. They lowered your defenses. And why? Why would I need
2: to have my defenses up around you?
1: Now that is an inquiry that only you can answer, Mr. Morrison. What reason would a man like you have to fear someone like me?
3: Someone like you? In
1: my business.
3: Morrison glances back to the carriage. The canvas sheet, random bulges, suddenly clarify themselves to be the outline of a body. What's under the sheet?
1: You mean who?
3: What's your business? Flesh. Over black. Footsteps approach.
0: How many is it this
1: time? Just two.
3: Whip of the canvas sheet pulling back to... Exterior, horse-drawn cart, Altoona, Pennsylvania, dusk. The marshal, fifty, plump man in plaid with suspenders pulled tight to his form. Tobacco packs his cheek. He consults two wanted posters. Ethan Collier? Susanna stands beside the marshal, staring down upon the perspective of the carriage looking out.
1: On the left. That's a lot of bullets. He didn't go easy. Took down both of our horses before we bought it. Then, how'd you manage this
0: one on the right? Um, Robinette Morrison?
1: I've been looking for him. I heard he'd been stalking the North Trail here. It wasn't too far from where I took out Collier. I figured he'd find me eventually, and he did.
3: Morrison lays in the carriage beside a bullet strewn corpse. Hole of his own at the top of his head.
0: You are a piece of work, Susanna. <laughs> I don't know many bounty hunters
1: who'd use themselves as bait. Thank God for me then.
0: Let's get you paid.
3: The canvas sheet whips back over the carriage, covering the pair of corpses and perspective in a sudden faded to black.
0: Everybody. welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Green light. You got Jackson here and Lauren, and who do we have with us, Lauren? We today, have our
1: writer of the month of Hall, Matt Young. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good.
4: About you guys,
1: pretty good. Pretty good. good,
0: pretty good. Uh, I now, guess
1: it's it's uh, about noon right here on a Tuesday, but where are you calling us from? What time is it there?
4: Um, it's noon here too. I'm calling Ooh. from uh, Northern California, San Mateo.
1: Oh, okay. Awesome, oh, awesome. So I guess a okay. few hours apart, but same time zone.
0: Yeah. yeah How far yeah. away is that from uh, L.A., for my curiosity? Uh,
4: I'm about six hours away. So okay. About gotcha. Not too shabby. Yeah, 45 minutes south of San Francisco, about six hours north of L.A.
0: Oh, okay. okay, cool. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, another West Coaster here with us. Uh, <laughs> so no weird time zones to speak of today. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, uh, we like to start off these interviews uh, with just asking a very simple question. What is your writer origin story? How'd you get started?
4: <laughs> I was prepared for this because I listened to some of you guys' past episodes. Ooh.
0: Aha. I, I tried, I tried to prepare for it. Matt did his homework, say, everyone. <laughs>
4: exactly. I, I would love to say it was like, oh, I was watching 2001. And, you know, I was like, oh, that's the moment I decided to be a writer. But really, no, it yeah. was, I don't know. It was messy um, for me. It was, I loved the movies growing up. And, um, you know, I, I got into writing when I was in school. Didn't really cling on to, like, screenwriting itself. But uh, I had an uncle who lived in L.A. and was trying to break in himself as a screenwriter. Um, He was somebody I always looked up to. He was like the one person I could ever really talk to about movies. I didn't really have those people in my sphere. Um, And yeah, he bought me Final Draft when I was 17, about 15 years ago. And it's the same version of Final Draft I still use. So um, that was, I guess, kind of the origin in a way, that first final draft and first push from a family member uh, to get into it. And it's been kind of a rough road in terms of just piecemealing and education and screenwriting and a lot of trial and error, but um, I don't know. It's fun. Every year it's, it's an adventure
0: and learning
4: something new. So
0: yeah, it's kind Absolutely. of a messy story. That's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> Impressive that that version of Final Draft still works, actually. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. I think
4: maybe I updated it once. I think I got an update key once, but yeah. <laughs> nice. That years, update is maybe, keeping it alive.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. For sure, exact. for sure. Well, that's exciting. You know, I think it's um it's always interesting because uh it feels like every person we ask this question has a different answer and I think that just is a testament to how like the the creative process as a whole is just so unique because you can get into it for, in so many different ways, you know? Like, I mean, if, if you want to work, you know, in business, you get a business degree, then you go work at, you know, wherever. But, you know, if you want to write, there's like 50 different avenues you can, you can take. So I, I think it's always interesting to hear everyone's unique story.
1: For sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay. So getting into some questions about this script, About Hall. Hall. Uh, so this is, this is a Western, right? Um, and you do some great world building for this story. So talk about that. Pennsylvania Western. Yeah, that's true. Pennsylvania Western. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Western Um, vibe.
1: Yeah. Western vibes. Western vibes. Uh, Lancaster County. They mention
0: Arizona, so that counts. That's true.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you do some great world building for this story. So talk about that process for you in general when writing a script and the specific things you wanted to emphasize with the world building for this script in particular? Um,
4: That's a great question. Uh, (laughs) um, World building for me as a writer, it, it, I, I actually like to work in contained spaces. I find like the times when I'm writing best is when I have two characters in a room, two characters in a relatively contained setting. But you know, that's still, a lot of people think that that's kind of limiting in terms of how you build out a world. But I think, you can find a lot of nuance in there and, and introduce things in kind of the small spaces um, in action and dialogue and that expands it to a greater world. So that's kind of what I aim to do in this script was visually you kind of have those those worldly moments that set you in that setting of, of rural Pennsylvania and set you in that time period. But the dialogue between the characters and things like that hint at, you know, some larger world beyond that contained space that I like to be in. So, and with this one in particular, um, the inception of it was actually from a Reddit uh, prompt that somebody had posted. Uh, It was in produce my scripts. So I I used to go on there all the time and I would blind pitch directors and producers. And if they had like, I have these resources, like, can you write me a short? And some guy said that he had the vision of a person pushing a cart through a rural setting he didn't specify, in retrospect, it was probably a shopping cart. Um, but I, I was like, I, I read that and I was like, this guy's going to get like 100 pitches for shopping carts. So I went, yeah. what is another version of cart? I went, okay, I, like a wagon. Um, he was based in Pennsylvania. So my mind, like, I don't know why it just went right to this image of, you know, an Amish woman pulling a wagon. And that kind of became the epiphany for it. And then it built out from there in terms of introducing this, this outlaw character, this Morrison. Um, Yeah. And it it kind of organically grew out
0: of that.
1: That's awesome. That's so cool.
0: I think it's, uh, it's interesting when you talk about the, just sort of the limitations and like, you know, setting it in one particular place or et cetera. And I think that's, especially important sometimes for for short films because you know you only have a certain number of pages and i mean with any script right. you only have a certain number of pages to, to like, get across what you need to really
1: intense world building for these unfamiliar or like fantasy or sci-fi settings is fun but it's tough for a short script to yeah. establish what's going on like i don't think you could you know set something in like the the duniverse universe you know, that was a short without explaining Boo. everything. Like it would Boo. be very, very hard. <laughs> okay. yeah. But you know, like I, uh, definitely with you talking about the two person scripts and having just a scene with a couple of people, um, we certainly appreciate that, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime we get a two-person we script, do. we're like, thank you. Thank you so much. As,
0: as people we do. Um, and, yeah, an- another thing that stood out to me uh, just as far as the world itself was just, like, the dirtiness and the grittiness of it. And I think you, you did a great job of really painting that picture in the mind, you know, and I, I think that's why it feels so Western to me, even though obviously set in Pennsylvania, but right. it has that vibe, you know, that, that, that dirt under your fingernails, that, that pull in a wagon, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really well done here
1: Yeah, I Thank also you. like I just think it's really fun that you know since, since we've already done the whole script in the show I can kind of reveal the twist I guess but um, <gasps> that um, I think it's interesting that she was you know pulling this cart had blisters on her hands whatever when at the end of the day she was like this was part of the plan she was trying to be found it wasn't actually a desperate act on her part, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting and fun. Um, so she's really good at her job. Yeah. <laughs> just just
0: competent, really competent. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you, you mentioned this a, a little bit, but I'd, I'd love to hear you uh, expound on the, the specific idea. What drew you to write like a, a period piece um, and a little bit of thought experiment, um, if I mean, you don't mind. I'm oh, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, of oh, course, of course. You go ahead with that one and then I'll ask the other question because it's kind of very okay. different.
4: <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of why I kind of decided on that time period was, I mean, it, it became kind of part of, of the prompt I was given and the setting and everything. It felt like it lended well to it. Um, you know, I don't think there's a, a lot of short films that explore the Western genre. Mm-hmm. So creating something that was contained within that short form for a Western, I think would be unique. And that's the thing, like as a writer that I'm kind I kind of always aim for is to do something that subverts expectation that can draw someone in just out of its uniqueness in a way. And, you know, I just thought that the Western genre lended well to it um, and the setting and the character.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No. I think for a lot of short scripts, you know, especially I think it goes hand in hand with the budget, usually being smaller that a lot of people are intimidated by settings that aren't just like, Modern day, you know, whatever's <laughs> in your house can be in the background. Interior like apartments. clothes you have are fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, but you know, at the same time, if you were to go to rural Pennsylvania, there pretty much any, you know, outdoor area in the country could work for this. Yeah. You go an hour you outside have to get of the LA. Cart, right. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you can find pretty, mu- pretty much all of this. Uh, sure. So, yeah, on to the second part of the question um, How do you think this story would be different if you said it today? Uh, in instead of 19th century would it be a shopping cart would it be a uh, <laughs> just a, a woman pushing her car on the side of the road what are you thinking
4: I, I think it would be the pushing the car on the side of the
0: road I, I could see it being that
4: um, you know I, I mean for the last year I've actually been traveling across country I, I was based in LA originally and I spent the last year driving across the country and there's a lot of just mm. open rural roads and yeah. you know different places and that idea of somebody being stuck in that situation and not having any sort of like outlet for assistance, whether it was mm-hmm. planned in, in this case or not, it's the good starting point because it is. It's immediately kind of a grounded, tense, dramatic moment, at least for that yeah. person. And people can sympathize with that. You know, they've almost, you know, they've been there, they've almost... almost been there in certain instances so yeah i think you'd be pushing a car for sure
0: yeah you 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 start off immediately with uh your character in a vulnerable position which uh you know opens up a a lot of different story opportunities for sure
1: yeah uh so speaking of our our main uh character plural um For most of the script, we really don't know who to root for. You know, obviously, because Susanna is in this very vulnerable position at the beginning, we start rooting for her. But, you know, neither of them really give up a lot of information about themselves. So, um, how talk about just the way you sort of crafted this. Yeah, not really knowing who to root for, not really knowing um, what people's intentions are.
4: it's uh, a good question. Um, I think for me, it was, I saw it as kind of uh neither one's trying to play their hand it's a poker game between these two characters and and neither Mm. one wants to really reveal why they're there you know Morrison picks this woman up because you know he has in you know very villainous intentions for her but he's Mm. not playing that outwardly it's kind of a good Samaritan but you're getting that vibe from him um you know Susanna I'm sure anyone in that situation especially for how long she's probably been pulling her cart would of course be like welcoming assistance at that point but she also doesn't want to be too easily lured into that situation so and then when she's on the cart itself you know things are coming out like little by little um more or less as she sees him playing his hand she'll she responds with it because he's getting information out of her he's trying to figure out if there's somebody that would be looking for her, if you know where yeah. she's coming from things like mm-hmm. that so as, as he's revealing she's revealing but I really do I see it as kind of this poker game between them and in writing it when you're when you're writing in something that's that contained is just a single wagon th- that's where a lot of that that action's coming from is that irony between the characters or dramatic irony of the audience knowing something the character doesn't you know the a Chekhov's gun underneath the the wagon seat or right knowing that there's probably a body in the back like those moments so i I think that's why i tried to milk it a little bit more as as them both keeping to themselves
0: no totally i i think um yeah, like you said, that that poker game I think is is a great way to describe it. And you sort of answer my next question, so I'm gonna pivot a little bit to to a different question <laughs> oh, no. um, that I just thought of on the fly. Look at me. Um, so I, I the the um, the dialogue between these characters is uh, is really interesting because it, it it does a lot of the work here, and it, it's 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 very. I mean, it's great banter. I feel like I don't know if banter is the word between you know these two people, <laughs> but um, you know it, it's definitely witty. It's definitely fast. So uh, uh, just talk about. Uh, your dialogue writing process like do you draw inspiration from anyone in particular or um does it sort of vary depending on script
4: um it it varies i I do i love i love bantery stuff you know everybody does everybody every writer at some point's like i'm gonna write dialogue like quentin tarantino i'm gonna write dialogue like aaron sorkin so you always have that base but then you realize yeah i'm not quentin tarantino i'm not aaron sorkin so (laughs) it's really like for me it's always been just trial and error i i always try to Throw things as much into subtext as I can. I don't like characters necessarily addressing the same thing. And there's like little tricks like that, just making sure nothing's too literal. Um, you know, sometimes having characters not aiming at the same point, it helps kind of create that natural feeling to it a little bit more. And this one was was a lot of of trial and error, and um, you know, getting kind of the mannerism of how I wanted them to speak for the period was less out of like research or, you know, intense research or anything like that. It was more like, if I set the tone as this is their mannerisms, this is how they're gonna talk to each other and continue that throughout, it'll give an authentic feel to it without me having to be like, overly
0: like you know like the witch
4: style authentic right you know
0: yeah Yeah.
1: without you having to like go back in time and you know (laughs) record people and yeah exactly
0: do some interviews while you're there exactly Exactly. (laughs) get dysentery while you're at it yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) go full organ trail yeah (laughs) um okay so obviously elephant in the room uh gun under the wagon there's a twist so um, I don't think either of us really saw this coming. They caught me you by know, surprise for going sure. Going back through the script, there are definitely some hints, especially that um the oh, you had a gun to put it down, and then she doesn't respond. Like, there are definitely some hints there, but um talk about how you how you decided there was gonna be a twist, if that was always there, if that came up, and then how you decided to plant those clues. In terms of
4: coming up with the twist. I I always find myself with these features. I'll I'll present a character to to the audience and then halfway through I'm always like, I'm gonna yank the rug out from under them. You're gonna realize this person you've been following the whole time is the villain, or this person has always had the upper hand. Like I I find myself doing that a lot. Try not to like M night shamel on it, but (laughs) like like a natural, you know, movement of the character. Um, and in this case, you know, I, I set up this woman that seems like she's a damsel in distress. And I was like, I, I don't want it to be played straight for that. You know, I don't want it mm-hmm. to be straight. I want this person to have, um, you know, their their own sense of urgency, their own sense of, of motivation here. And that really bore out this idea of, of her actually being here for a purpose of her being a bounty hunter and having her own, her own agency to defend herself. So that's really where it came out. And then it, yeah, from there it was working backwards is putting just those like little subtle hints in there, you know, the bodies in the back of the wagon, the gun underneath the, the wagon seat, just those like little plays, even that hit in the dialogue of her talking about Arizona and and having, you know, a more expansive worldview than just what a, a normal Amish woman might have in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Grew out For of that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that. And I, I think it's partially because like the reason why I I don't think I I saw it coming was was because you set her up as so vulnerable at the beginning right you know we we spend some time alone with her where it it seems like she's vulnerable it seems like you know she's in need of help and we have this uh, other guy come in and we're like oh he has to be bad right like there's, there's no way he's not <laughs> yeah <laughs> and of course he is but then we we don't know this um uh, about Susanna and so it's 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 really interesting I think how how it's how it's crafted that way
1: for sure um this is a little bit of a pivot I guess but. Ooh. I I just think the concept of bounty hunters at a time before the before the internet is so interesting to me. Like people would just see a wanted poster, maybe they would know the name, but then like, okay, do you just go ask people? Have you seen this person around? Like, it seems wild to have the ability to do this sort of undercover thing that she's doing, you know? Without being able to, I don't know, do any kind of like GPS tracking or (laughs) anything like that to know like he's going to pass by here. If I do this, he's going to try and pick me up, you know, is... Yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive for that time period.
0: But it's like it's the olden times. Like, what else for are you sure, gonna do? For sure. You know, like <laughs> gonna go to the saloon? Sure, I guess, like
1: that's her job. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So
4: it's um, a lot of patience. A lot of patience. Yes,
0: so. <laughs> we, we didn't see I like, guess. but the, you know, weeks. like she rolls up
1: with two in one day. You know what I mean? Like well, she's good at this. <laughs> well,
0: we didn't see the weeks she spent just pulling that cart. Like, come on, dude, <laughs> you, you gotta be here. <laughs> um, so, pivoting to a slightly uh, a slightly more fun question um so if in your dream uh dream casting who would you cast in these roles if you had your choice and why would timothy oliphant be morrison Oh, I'm just kidding, God. just kidding. But if you wanted to be Timothy Oliphant, <laughs> I think that would be a great choice.
4: I I like that one. I like I like Timothy Oliphant as more. So yeah. I I did not know this question was coming. Out of all the episodes I I listened to, I don't think I heard you guys ask this one. So uh,
0: we, uh, we, we've
1: definitely done it before. <laughs>
0: we we like to spread our questions out. We like to take you by surprise. We're gonna ask you your oh social security gosh. number in a second, so <laughs> yeah. be prepared. Oh okay. Your mom's okay, got that main one name. Up. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, in terms of Susanna, uh.
0: I'm trying to think now know. too. The character's pretty one. young, like uh, uh, Bill labeled as 20. So yeah. who's like a young? I, I the first know, person you know, I could who could like, them... Into... Go ahead. Oh, sorry.
4: Oh, I was gonna say like Haley Stanfield. I could see.
0: She I would could, be great, actually. I could see that for sure. I think she would be awesome. I, the, a person who I thought of just because she's in everything right now, and she is great. Who I, I think would be interesting to see in a role like this is Zendaya.
1: I wonder how she would do.
0: Because I feel like she's good with like stoic and like, you know, um, sure, that yeah. that type of thing. I just like Zendaya, so I'd like to see her in, in just about anything. Uh, like do you that. have any I mean- any Dreamcast, Lauren?
1: Uh, you know, the person who pops into my head is the lead in Westworld, but that's only because she is like a serial killer in a Western world. <laughs> so
0: Some parallels, maybe, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, so that
1: that kind of scans, I guess. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I can't think of anybody specific. But um, we're I, I, yeah, I like your Dreamcast though, Matt.
0: Yeah. Good job, Matt. You win, I guess. <laughs> Katie Stanfield and Timothy Oliphant. Perfect. Sounds, sounds perfect, <laughs> perfect to me. I'd watch it. Put it on there.
1: Yeah. So uh, moving on to a couple questions that are more just about, I don't know, just for flavor, just fun. Um that are not uh necessarily related to the script. Um, what is your favorite Western?
4: Oof. I um love once upon a time in the West. that's actually mm. that's that's probably my favorite i find myself watching that about once a year it's it's not necessarily like people's favorite leone movie but it's i don't know i loved it i know he did it too because it was like you gotta do one more western while you do whatever you want but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it works well i mean roe really good in it and um oh god what's his name uh the harmonica player. I can't. I, I can't remember the actor's name. I'm gonna get no idea for this.
0: from us. <laughs> so-
4: somebody somebody's gonna get mad at me not remembering yes. yeah, uh, somebody's somebody
0: screaming at their phone right now <laughs> oh, yeah uh, composing easily. an email to us <laughs> Charles Bronson Charles Bronson that's there we go ah. there we go no you can't Did get mad delete, anymore delete that email well that's great um so so yeah just a, a little bit about you I guess and 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 your uh your writing what's your favorite part of the writing process are you a beginning guy or are you a finished product guy
4: i i love that this is a good one i i don't mind staring at the blank white page i love that process i love i I write a lot with momentum like i find myself Mm. as a momentum writer which is weird to say but it's like when i start writing something i can i can get through it in a week if the idea is fresh and i'm excited about it like i need that excitement to really push me through and i i don't mind from there i don't mind the rewriting process either um my rewriting process is probably not the most efficient. I, I, every time I rewrite a draft, I actually just start a new document and I'm writing it blank page doing it. Like if I was oh. if, like, if I was working at a typewriter basically, yeah. I don't know why it's just, it, it, it works for me. It, it, it helps me yeah. kind of, especially with like dialogue and things like that. I, I find that that helps me figure out a better way to do things in the script. For sure. Well, and I feel
1: like on one hand, it might feel less efficient. But on the other hand, I think it prevents you from being... Married to things that you know are good, but maybe in the structure of the final story aren't going to work. Yeah. You know? So that's that's really interesting.
0: Yeah. You're like, I have to retype this again. Maybe I'll do something else. <laughs> <You> no. <know? laughs> uh, no, that that is cool. I that, that's uh, very good of you to not be afraid of a blank page. Because anytime I've tried to write, yeah, that no, I is feel
1: like I'm having a crisis. The
0: most terrifying part of the process for me. And you know, it sounds like you just like writing, Matt, which is like, which, <laughs> which is, is awesome. Yeah, which is great. So. <laughs> Good good for you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Um, so we just have one more question. It's a bit of a bit of a doozy. Yeah, okay? the I came okay. up
0: with this one. That's so true. He did. He just did. so you know, Matt.
1: <laughs> um, so how important to you is intention of the artist? Meaning, do you think there is a correct way to interpret a piece of art or is the meaning supposed to change for each person? Like if if one of your scripts is produced, how how I guess on hands are you in the sense of like, you care about, you know, your intentions, your point of view being carried out.
0: You
4: guys are coming with the messy questions.
0: Uh- <laughs> oh yeah. We get dirty uh- here on the green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I
4: don't really subscribe to the idea that every piece of art is interpreted one way. I think, I think everybody, the thing when you're watching a movie, when you're staring at a painting, when you're reading a book, you're bringing whatever, you know, you've experienced in life whatever preconceived things that you have. Every other media that you've taken into consideration when you watch something, and I think that makes the interpretation of things different for different people. They find different things in a movie or in a story than others do, and I think sometimes they find stuff that even the artist doesn't realize is in there. You know, I I think like as a writer, I find myself like things popping up in my writing that it's like I didn't really mean for that to be in there but it just naturally comes out of the characters or it's naturally coming out of something that I subconsciously am am putting in there
1: Mm -hmm.
4: um so yeah I'm I'm all for it being kind of free form in terms of interpretation I don't like being I don't want to be like the guide of like this is where I want you to be in terms of how you interpret this I I think it should be open I I think there should be a room 237 docs for every movie you know (laughs) hopefully that's crazy but yeah yeah
1: (laughs) Well, you know, now might be a good time to tell you that we actually set this in space. So, for oh our yeah, reading. Oh, we changed
0: um, most of the dialogue too. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> a, it's in, it's in a new language. It's on planet um, uh, Arrakis, right? That's yeah, yeah. perfect, perfect. Um, but no, I, I, think that's a, I think that's not only a, a, um, I think it's a healthy way to to view art because you know, I, I think you know, as an artist, you can scrutinize every possible detail to hope that your audience views it a certain way. And like you said, people are going to come in with with different perspectives and different experiences that influence the way that they think about that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's that's part of art, you know. That's part of the art doesn't stop when it's f- being done created, you know. It it continues, it has a life of its own and and things will be viewed differently as time goes on, too. It's it's impossible just to like keep art in a specific vacuum. Even though it's good to view art when it was made from that point of view and, you know, uh, the time period and, and different things then, but it's also, you know, how, how do we view it now? What can we learn from it now? What are some things that we don't want to learn from it now, et cetera, et cetera. So I, th- I, I, I like that perspective. So I'm glad you said that decision. Um, yeah. so <laughs> I'm glad you f- fell on that side of it. Um, I think that's all we have. Correct. Yeah, Lauren? I
1: think that's all we have. Unless you're um, so, hiding some questions. <laughs> no, I'm not an invisible link, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you would like to get in touch with Matt, possibly, uh, produce a script or just get in touch with him about reading some of his other work. Um, his email will be in the description below.
0: Yes. Uh, two final things for you, Matt, actually. So we kind of lied. Uh, number one, uh, if you'd like to plug anything right now, True. please, uh, go for it. If you have anything coming up, you'd like people to know about, or, uh, if you have any questions for, us. Now is your time to ask. Now is Matt time. Not that the whole interview hasn't been (laughs) Matt time, but (laughs) um
4: I wish I had something to plug. Uh but yeah, that that that's the goal is to get something to plug. So yeah. If you're a creative or a director, producer, actor, and you want something that's producible, um, especially during COVID times, feel free to reach out. Um I got plenty, I got plenty in the sheath right now. So (laughs) amazing. (laughs) fingers crossed but yeah other than that no i I really appreciate you guys reading the script and uh interviewing me today really appreciate it
0: absolutely we really
1: appreciate you coming on the show so thanks so much for coming
0: all right that's gonna do it for us folks remember give matt something to plug reach out to him uh and uh thank you for coming on again matt we really appreciate it no problem thank you guys thanks man
4: bye